Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's a great time of praise and worship. It's my privilege to share God's Word. Uh, with us now, and uh, if you have got your Bibles and uh, you want to turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 85, we're going to read that Psalm together. Before I do that, I'm going to pray and ask God's blessing uh, on His Word this morning. Father, we just come dependent upon You today. We just pray that by Your Spirit, You'll just speak through me, speak into our hearts, speak into our lives today. Lord, thank you for that lovely testimony that Trina shared, Lord, about uh, how you met with her. I pray, Father, that as I share your word today, that you will meet with us in a powerful, in a special way this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got your Bibles, it's Psalm 85. I want to read uh, this whole psalm uh, with us this morning. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what the Lord what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to His people, His saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely His salvation is near those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Amen. And may God bless the reading of his word. Well, it was supposed to have been Gary Davidson. It was going to be sharing with us today. Gary is going to come all the way over from uh, Oklahoma and share God's word with us. But uh, his family were not well, and, uh, and so he's not been able to travel. And uh, we had a busy week this week. As you know, our, our eldest daughter got married. We gave away our last rollo. And uh, some, of you are, some of you are too young to remember the advert on the TV, but uh, that's what happened. And, uh, and so it was a busy week, and Gary and Wilma were actually going to be coming over. They were, they'd been friends of us, friends of our church for a long, long time. And uh, when Gary told us he was not able to come over, uh, I know that we've got a great team here in church. I know Stephen would have stepped up and, uh, and shared, no problem at all. But just at that moment, God just dropped something in my heart. And so I, I, I'm going to share what, what I believe God has put in my heart uh, for this morning. And it's based on Psalm 85, verse 6. And it's this, uh, this text, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you. I love Easter. Do you love Easter? Yeah. I love springtime. I love the daffodils. I love the lambs. I love the buds in the the trees. And I love to see life where there once was deadness. And God, you know, He does that with individuals. He, he, He resurrects us. 
He brings, he brings life out of deadness. You, you see trees at the, in the autumn time, in the winter time, and the brown leaves. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful miracle that, that fresh leaves can come from, from brown trees. And it's just quite amazing. And, uh, and this is seen in the resurrection, which we celebrate today, that the Lord Jesus, as Trina said, and as we sang in that song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, we, we, we can see that, that, uh, that, that Jesus died for our sins, but, but he, He's no longer dead. He's alive. And He's alive forevermore. And He ever lives, the Bible says, to make intercession, to, to pray uh, for us. So, into my head, when, when uh, Gary said that he wasn't going to be able to uh, be with us today, came a quote that I read many, many years ago from a, a, a book called the, the, the Lion Handbook of Christianity, History of Christianity. Now, I like, I like the Lion series of books, L-I-O-N, not L-Y-I-N-G, okay? So, Lion, like, oh, yeah, that kind of Lion. So, so the, the Lion books are good for people like me because they're simple. And, and I, I, I like the Lion books. And, and so there was a quote I once read in the history of Christianity, and this is what it said. Among the most noticeable features of Christian growth has been the amazing ability of the faith periodically to reform and renew itself. Historians are often struck by the resilience of Christianity and its seemingly inexhaustible capacity to revive after periods of stagnation or decay. In fact, it has been a major theme of Christian history. See what's happening here this morning. And, uh, like People in Labbert don't know, people in Scotland don't know that their churches are alive. There's a church in Aberdeen, one of our sister churches, it's got 1,500 people in it. And people don't know that. Because all that we hear from the press and the media is church is dead and nobody's interested. And look around today, does it look dead? Does it look as if nobody's interested? But spiritually speaking and generally speaking, things have been pretty dark eh, spiritually in Scotland for a number of years. We've been swept, it looks swept along by a ceaseless tide of secularism that's tried to muffle the Christian voice. You know, it, it looks as if it's controlled the media. And, and there's only certain things that, we, that, we, that, that are filtered through for us. And, and, and even things that we think are, are neutral, like the, the, like the new program for writing letters and, and essays and all that kind of stuff. It's all controlled. And I could send you links that would, it would, it would show these kind of stuff. The teaching of curriculum in the schools, the, the, the things that are important have been put to one side. The way the media portrays the hot potatoes like identity, sexuality, creation, matters of life, and matters of death. Many laws have been passed in Scotland in recent years which have undermined many of the biblical principles that made Scotland great in years gone by. Do we realize that? It's been going on. We're a far cry from the scenes that Robert Bruce, uh, uh, Robert Bruce, Robert Burns wrote in, in his poem. Robbie Burns, like that they'll be celebrating them in, in, in uh, January, the National Bard, the National poem of Scot, poet, of Scot, poet, poet of Scotland, uh, wrote some remarkable stuff. And in one of his poems, The Cotters, Saturday Night, he tells a story of, of a house meeting in, 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 a, in a cottage going on, going on in Scotland in his day. And, and he says, he, he, he writes this line, From scenes like these, old Scotia's grandeur springs, that makes our loved at home 
revered abroad. And he says, this house meetings that, that are happening all over, he says, this is what makes Scotland great. And yet we've turned our back on these kind of things. Andrew Fletcher, the 18th century Scottish patriot, famously said, let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Because the songs influence what people are thinking. And he was writing about songs then, but it can be true about the media and all of these things. So Robert Burns, Rob, Robbie Burns, who was famous for lots of things that, that, that you wouldn't be speaking about from this platform, he wrote, how about this? The priest-like father reads the sacred page, how Abraham was the friend of God on high, or Moses bade eternal warfare wage with Amalek's ungracious progeny, or how the royal bard did groaning lie beneath the stroke of heaven's avenging ire, or Job's pathetic plaint and wailing cry, or rapt Isaiah's wild seraphic fire, or other holy seers that tuned the sacred lyre. Now, a lot of that I'll go over the top for heeds, but, but uh, let me just say that in that, in that passage, where, where, which has come from the court of Saturday night, Robert Burns is himself declaring to us that he knows about Abraham, he knows about Moses, he knows about Amalek, and some of us will be saying who's Amalek, and David, and Job, and Isaiah. I mean, that's phenomenal. For a man like Robert Burns, who we, who we know about uh, lots of his shenanigans and things going on, but he knew that kind of stuff. And he wrote that. That wasn't an evangelical minister. That was Robert Burns that wrote that. And I ask myself, when did our songs contain words like that again? Okay, in a modern, in a modern uh, uh, paraphrase rather than in, the, in, in, in old Scots as it was then. They're no longer the, 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 the kind of songs of our nation. Do you know that several of our cities in Scotland had God-honoring mot mottos? Like Greenock, God speed Greenock. Edinburgh, Nisi Dominus Frustra, which is Latin for, without the Lord all is vain. And it's, and it's based from that psalm, except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Did you know that was a motto of Edinburgh? And for many, many years, Glasgow was like Glasgow flourished by the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. And now it's truncated to let Glasgow flourish. And, and I just believe Glasgow will never flourish the way God intended it to flourish unless they get back to realize that it's through the preaching of His Word and the praising of His name. And I believe that with all my heart. And that's a challenge. And one verse that comes to my mind when I think of where Scotland is today is a verse in Judges that, that I felt the Holy Spirit zeroed in in my brain many years ago. It says in Judges 2 and verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. It's a really, really interesting phrase. And, and it shows us that there was a time that Israel walked with God, and then a uh, time after that, that it was almost as if the nation was clueless to what, as, as to what God had been doing before. And I could quote lots of statistics regarding the decline spiritually of our nation. And I don't want to major on that today. I've just given a few headlines. I think it's better to inspire people than to motivate them by guilt or, or, or with a lot of statistics. 
I, I agree with Dr. Helen Roosevelt in her book, Digging Ditches. She says, I came to realize that just knowing the actual condition of the world and its great need is apparently insufficient to move people to take action. So I can spout forth, say all kinds of stuff, but something's got to happen within us that, that, that sets off a kind of reaction, a spiritual reaction within us that says, I want to do something about this in my day, in my age and generation. We need to have the mind of Christ. Dr. Helen Roosevelt goes on to say, we need to have the mind of Christ. It's a bit like that song, Break My Heart from What Breaks Yours. And the need is great, and we need to feel, I believe, God's heartbeat for our great nation of Scotland. And it would all be pretty hopeless were it not for the resurrection. It would all be pretty hopeless unless there was an Eastern message to give. That quote from the Lion Handbook of Christianity was so encouraging. It's saying like, however dark the day may be, God has got a resurrection ability to resurrect dead things, to bring them out of deadness into life. In Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Maybe you're sitting in here today, and you remember days when things were good, and, 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 your, and your heart was beating, and all kinds of wonderful things were happening in your life, and it's not like that today. Maybe there was a time when you were alive, and all kinds of wonderful things were going on. And, and like it says in the book of Job, your paths were drenched with cream. But then, Je- then Jeremiah says, Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. And so you've got this picture coming through the Bible. You get it in the songs. You get it in, in, in the history books that, 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 that we can call things to remembrance, that we can look back to the faithfulness of, of God and say, He did it once. He can do it again. And so the resurrection power shows that God is able. He's the God who brings dead things back to life, and He can do it again in our nation. I believe today God wants to stir our hearts on this Resurrection Sunday to offer ourselves to be difference makers. In a missions report that we received in the church just a few weeks ago from a missions organization in Egypt that we support, it's called Think and Do, they had a phrase in their annual report that says, others woke up spiritually. And on this Resurrection Sunday, wouldn't it be fantastic if God was to wake up some people spiritually, whether we're watching here in the premises or whether we're watching online later on. I'm reminded of of Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Speak this over us today. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The greater the darkness, the greater the opportunity for the church and for the people of God to shine. Things have been bad at times through the ages, but God has turned things around, and I believe He's able to do that again. Now back to the psalm that, that I read a few moments ago. It's an interesting psalm. Uh, one of the older commentators says the psalm is designed for times when by disobedience the people forfeited the peace and abundance promised in the Old Testament law. 
So in light of my comments that I've just made, it's a psalm that could apply to us today. It begins with a thankfulness to God for blessings and restored fortunes. God's come through for His people again. And the commentators would say, it's after the exile, after God's people were exiled in Babylon. It's like they've come back from their captivity. Although it's got a a bigger impact uh, than that itself, that would be the background to it. And God's people were taken into captivity, the Babylonian captivity. Maybe some of you remember a song many years ago by Boney M. called By the Rivers of Babylon. Any of you remember that? Oh, there's a few of you, a few of you here. By the rivers, oh, I better not do that. Uh, but, but By the Rivers of Babylon was a, was a song by a pop group called Boney M. And they were actually quoting from Psalm 137. And, and, uh, and it was how the people felt when they were taken captive into Babylon. But Babylon in the captivity was, should not have been a shock for the people. Because time after time after time after time after time, God said to his people, turn back, turn back, turn back. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. In fact, the covenant that they'd entered into, God had promised them if they obeyed the laws that he gave them, there would be seasons and, uh, of great blessing would come upon their life. And it would be scenes of, of great judgment and, uh, uh, would, would come upon them if they failed to do that. And, and, and of course, they signed up for that, and they failed, and they actually went into captivity despite repeated warnings through the prophets. But then God was gracious. He was loving. He was forgiven. He, he spoke through the prophets, people like Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And, and uh, he, had, he had a new word for them, that they were going to come back from captivity back into the land again. There's repeated emphasis in this psalm regarding the land. There's repeated emphasis on God's anger against them because of the mess up that they had done, how they rejected Him. And, and then God intervened, and, and, he, and He put favor upon them, and they, they began to come back into the land again. And, and there's people that we read about in the Bible who led them back, people like Zerubbabel, their governor, don't know any kids called Zerubbabel, Joshua, is better, the high priest, Ezra, when Ezra here today, the scribe, and, 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 and they began to come back into the land again, and it, it was a, a, a new day back for them. And, and so this psalm is speaking about what it's like when they've returned from the captivity in Babylon. And it's also got a wider implication. It looks forward to the reign of Jesus. Jesus is going to return again, and He's going to set up His kingdom, and and He's going to rule forever and ever. And and we've been singing some of that this morning. It's it's all encapsulated in all that God has said. And maybe next week we'll look at something regarding the prophetic uh, and and looking at some of the things that God has said in relation to that. So it, it... it, it, the context of it was, it was the people of, of Israel back in the land after their captivity, but it had a wider implication. It's like the lens looks down through time and, and speaks about what it's going to be like in the future. But they're back in the land, but everything is not hunky-dory. It's not, it's not rosy. They, they were not always obeying the law or showing kindness like they ought to have shown. And as an old Scottish preacher called George Morrison said, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. And so God's speaking into them in this situation. They've had a new beginning. They're back in the land, but there's lots of other new beginnings need to happen. And maybe you're here today, and there's a new beginning needs to happen in your heart and in your mind and in your life. You see, it's when we mess up, the good thing about our God is He picks us up when we mess up. 
We, he doesn't leave us there. And we, we can choose to be living in that place of, of no blessing. Or we can come to Him when His arms are open wide to embrace us and invite us into that place of, of restored communion with Him and blessing like Trina mentioned earlier on. And, and so He's speaking into the situation. So they're thankful to God that, that, they've, that they've come back. And, and uh, the commentators would tell us that the language here is more idealistic than, than reality, that, that some of these things had begun to happen, but they're looking down through, through the ages to what can happen. And, it's, and it's, uh, there's, a, there's a, a Hebrew phrase for it, but, but, which we don't need to know about, but it's, it's like saying uh, they're looking down and speaking things that has not yet happened, but they're looking at them as if they have already happened. Does that make sense? It's like, this has happened, but it's, but it's actually in the process of happening. So then what follows in this is a prayer for revival. The nation's been given a new start. It's fantastic. So the prayers led by a choir it shifts to prayer. And this prayer now is, Lord, revive us. Lord, turn to us again, O God of our salvation. The burden of his prayer is, God, we desperately need you. You see, we can change location, and they've changed location. A lot of people think, if only I lived somewhere else, or if only I had a different job, or, 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 or some other circumstances. But really, what, what's, what we need is a change of mind, a change of mindset, a change of heart. That's what we need more than anything else. And people relocate. And they'll go to places where they were for their holidays. When the sun was shining and, and, and it was 25 degrees or 30, and it was great, and you had your shorts on, and it was fantastic. You didn't have to wear your woolly jumpers and stuff like that. And you would walk down the road, and, it was, and, you, and, and you'd all, your pockets were full of bobbies, plenty of money in your pockets because you were on holiday, and you had no stress. Or because you, you, you didn't have to make the meals. You went out for fish and chips or, or a restaurant or you were half bored or whatever it might be. And it was fantastic times. And, and people relocate and, and all of a sudden they, they realize that the problems haven't been dealt with. They're taking the same problems there later on. It, that was just an illusion that they had at that particular time. And people think, oh, if I could go to this place or that place or the next place, right, my life would be totally changed. But the change needs to take place inwardly. That's where it needs to take place. It needs to happen here. And, and the cry of this psalm is, God, you need to do it. Read it again. You need to do it. God, if you don't do it, we're hopeless. We're helpless. You need to do it. And during, during the time of the Hebridean revival in the island of Lewis, there was, a, a, there was a, a prayer that people prayed from Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. And read about it, and it's what happens when God comes down. I, I remember in the, in the old King James Version, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens and come down. And there was that cry for God, and you can see that happening here in this particular psalm. And then, won't you revive us again? Won't you cause us to live again? And maybe there's something in your heart this morning. Lord, on this Resurrection Sunday, something needs to come alive in me. Like, like Trisha said, Trina said, I've called her Trisha. Trina said earlier on that uh, almost married my daughter, some, uh, another woman to the man on, 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 on Thursday this week. And, and, and in the middle of a prayer, I said Leslie instead of Lindsay. And I've never, and, and, and I've never done that before, but there you go, it happened. And, and uh, so here we go. There must be something going on in my head with names at this moment in time. But, but uh, you know, God's a God of resurrection. 
looking for God to do something afresh. And, 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 and Trina said today that she came alive. She knew that she was born again. And so God's that God. It brings new life into our situation. And then when they're asking God to revive, then the psalmist promises to listen. He says, God, make me alive, and, and then I'll listen to you. And, 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 and that's, that's a great characteristic of people who love Jesus, that they actually listen to what he's actually got to say. A lot of us go hell-bent down our own way. And then a prayer that they won't return to their foolish ways because they'd been in their foolish ways uh, before. And, uh, and their whole life had been a period of foolish ways. And the book of Judges was about foolish ways. One minute they were crying out to God, God help me, God intervene. And the next time they messed up and the, 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 the enemies came and, and, and took away their peace and took away their land. And, and, and then they would cry out to God and God would intervene again and then would mess up again. And, and, and the whole history of the children of Israel was mess up after mess up after mess up. So now they're praying and asking God, that we're going to listen this time. And then there's a prayer that they won't return to their foolish ways. And then a belief that salvation would come. They'd prayed for salvation, and then it shifts and says, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. And then the land is filled with the glory of God. And that's what I desire for Scotland. I'm sure many of you here today would desire that as well. And then there's further blessings promised in this psalm as they cry out to God. And you've got this beautiful verse, unfailing love and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed, truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. That's a beautiful bit of prose there. It means there are blessings when we get things right with God. It's, it's, there's, there's a time of blessing coming. Righteousness, mercy, and truth eh, meet together. One of the old commentators says, they're like friends and lovers. They kiss, and, and they, they've been long separated. And the, the, the commentators would say, this mercy and truth, this righteousness and justice, kissing and meeting together, actually happened on the cross of Calvary. That's a picture to what actually happened on the cross of Calvary. But it's even bigger it's been described here, as I said earlier. It's looking forward to that day when Jesus will set up his kingdom again. Love and truth meet in the street, it says in the message translation. Right living and whole living embrace and kiss. Truth sprouts green from the ground. Right living pours down from the skies. And then there's this portion of blessing. So they're back in the land. It's not quite all that it should be. And they're crying out for God to intervene in their situation. Because although they've been put back in the land, their hearts need to be right. And they're saying, God, you need to intervene in my situation. And I'm drawing a parallel with where we're at in our nation today and saying, Lord, you need to intervene in our situation today. You need to come and make this land glorious again. You need to come into our hearts and into our lives afresh to bring forth this new life, to bring us revival eh, again. Lord, you need to do that in our day today so that the land will restore, eh, see you being glorified in the midst so that we'll see righteousness and truth, eh, eh, embracing each other, that the, the blessing of God will come in our nation again. So what are we going to do? You know, I believe our, our, our nation is in great spiritual need, and I believe that God shows us the pathway to blessing. I believe this message is, is, it needs a response from us today, and, and I, I believe that we need to be saying, God, will you revive us? I believe I need to be saying, and you need to be saying, God, will you revive me? Will, 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 will you use me as an instrument of blessing? 
You see, I quote a verse from, from the book of Judges uh, right at the very beginning. That verse, it, it says, a whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. So, so picture this. Joshua leads the children of Israel into the promised land. They begin to apportion the land. Every tribe gets its part of the inheritance that God has promised them. Wonderful things happen. And, 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 and Joshua calls them to renew the covenant. And, and, and he says, choose you this day who we will serve. And he goes on to say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And the people are all saying, we're going to do exactly the same. It's hard to believe that 20 years, 20 years after Joshua's death, that a new generation grew up, and they haven't a clue. They don't know what's been going on. The, 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 the faith has failed to be passed down to the generations. It's failed, it failed to understand what's going on. A new generation arose. It knew not the Lord nor what He'd done for Israel. Really tragic situation, in spite of all the things that they'd done. And, it's, and, and it gets worse. If you were to look at that passage in Judges chapter 2, you will see they serve false gods called the Baals. They forsook the Lord. And, and they also served, served other gods that, that, that involved uh, immorality and all kinds of different things going on. Read it through in, in Judges chapter 2, and you'll see these things. Why? Why after all the blessings that they, that they had enjoyed? Why would Robert Burns say in his poem that these things made old Scotia great? What, like, we were revered at home and abroad. Why are people pushing these things to the side now and they're not interested in the same ways of God? Like, like, wh- wh- there's no blessing at the end of that. It's, it's you know, no ideology or, or anything apart from God will, will help individuals or nation. He is the source of all that we need. He is the one that we need to be fixing our eyes upon. Why did they turn from God? Did they think God was not powerful enough? Did they think he was not satisfying enough? Did they think he's too strict? You know, one of the, one of the greatest uh, uh, regrets of my life is not that I came to the Lord or, 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 or following him. My greatest regret is it was so long before I came to know the Lord. And because and, and, he comes into our life, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Diane mentioned a few moments. The band can come now. We're just wrapping this up. Diane mentioned a few moments ago at present prayer that Lindsay and, and Michael are on their honeymoon and, and uh, they were parked in Manchester in a, in a car park yesterday. And what happened is that the, their car was broken into and their stuff was stolen. And I was thinking this morning when I woke up and Diane mentioned it earlier and they've mentioned it as well. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what He promises us. He promises us life more abundantly. And, and, and I think it's a time for us to turn the tide. And we say, Lord, I choose life. I, I, I choose Your plan and Your purpose for my life. I, I don't want my life. I don't want the things that are important. I don't want the enemy to steal them. I, I want to be following You with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Trina mentioned that verse that, that uh, they love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there was a time in, in, in the time of the kings in the Bible when there was a prophet called, called Elijah, and God raised them up. The, the nation was in a mess. 
And Elijah, it seemed to him as if he was a sole voice. He wasn't actually, there was, there was at least 10,000 who had not bowed the knee, knee to the foreign gods. But, but Elijah challenged the people of his day, the false prophets, 850 of them. He challenged them to a contest. To, to, to build a sacrifice on the top of Mount Carmel. And, and uh, they, they had to prepare a bull and prepare a sacrifice. And there'd been a drought for, for years, three years. And, uh, there, uh, and everything, uh, the, the crops and that were dying. And uh, so they had to prepare this sacrifice. And, and Elijah says, I'll tell you who's the real God. He's the God who answers by fire. And so the pagans were following their God and they were crying out. They were cutting themselves and doing all kinds of things, crying out, crying out, crying out, and nothing happened. And Elijah mocked them. He says, is he busy? Maybe he's in the toilet. Maybe all kinds of things are going on. Why is he not answering? And then Elijah told them to take water after the drought and douse the sacrifice and, and, and poured water on the bull and poured water on the, on the, on the timbers that were around rebuilt the altar of the Lord and God answered by fire then he made an appeal and he, and he says uh, he says you need to make your calling and election sure he says like choose the Lord if Baal is God serve him but if God is God serve him and and uh, and the people turned around after they saw the sacrifice after they saw the fire after they saw that this amazing miracle that God did they said the Lord he is God the Lord, He is God. And, and I, I believe that God is just calling us back on this Resurrection Sunday. He's calling every single one of us to make a difference. He said to me, Michael, will you, will you be a light in your generation? Will you, will you be somebody that I can use? And I, I believe He's saying that to every single one of us here today. He's, he's saying, will we be the people of God that He wants us to be? Will we, will we cry out to Him today? Will we, will we respond? Will we say, I, I, am, I am yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. I'm coming to you. I don't want to be part of that generation that it, it no longer worships the Lord, forgot, forgot what he'd done for the Lord. I want to be those who are passionately, wholeheartedly following after Jesus. I want to be like that in my day and age and generation. And I believe God's calling every single one of us to be that today. I believe he's bringing you life. And so maybe your cry today has got to be like the psalm. Will you not revive us again? But maybe even make it personal. Will you not revive me again? Will you revive me again? I believe that's a prayer that we need to be praying this morning. Will you revive me again? Father, we want to thank you that you're calling us on this Resurrection Sunday to be alive to you alive to your plans, alive to your purposes, alive to your will for our lives. Lord, where we have fallen short, where we have um, turned our backs, where we've gone our own ways, where we've not listened, where we've not reflected your glory, we say, Lord, that we are sorry. We are sorry for these times. And we say, Lord, we come and present ourselves to you afresh today. Take my life. Will you not revive me again? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk 
or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.